Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Way. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello, everyone. Speaking of sexy bodies, we have all checked out those wonderful professional athletes, and our guest today is the first woman to hold a position of her kind, and it is so Exciting to have her with us, and even though she didn't play basketball, her dream as a child was to be the first female coach in the NBA. Now, through an incredible series of experiences like surviving Hurricane Andrew, moving to London, and then becoming the first ball girl for the NBA's Miami Heat, her very unconventional path has taken a number of twists and turns that led her to earning the position of Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for the Atlanta Hawks and the State Farm Arena. Imagine, imagine going from ball girl to CMO, and that is the name of her new book. However, you might be surprised to learn that even at this stage in her career, our guest still doesn't know what she wants to be when she grows up, and that's exactly how she wants to keep it. But first, before I bring her on, if you live in the Bay Area or anywhere in the world, given that we pivoted, we're online, you're going to want to join me Thursday, April 22nd for a complimentary live event, New Life After Lockdown spring into love and prosperity. Now, we all know we're coming out of lockdown. So much has changed, and we've designed this really important training to focus on those two areas where most people took the biggest hits. That's your love life and your prosperity, whether you were single and lonely and got lonelier during lockdown, whether you're part of that 33% of relationships going through divorce or on the brink, there's still much you can learn. There's hope. Grab your seat on Eventbrite. On Eventbrite, you can absolutely, when you get that free ticket, this is free, you can also ask yourself, did I learn as I went through lockdown? And we're going to zero in on specific tools and practices that you can put to use in your life now to reignite your love life to reignite your prosperity. And you're going to get some reignition in just a moment from our guest. And if you need more information, send me an email, love, L-O-V-E, at docway, D-O-C-W-A-D-E dot com. And we're going to take our Ask Dr. Brenda question very quickly. Dear Dr. Brenda, my fiancé has announced to me he'd like to have a bachelor party with his friends. I thought this was okay until I discovered that a stripper is part of the proceedings. I've also learned that this woman strips completely naked and may perform sex acts. I am appalled and upset that his friends thought so little of me. 
that they would make this type of arrangement. I've spoken to him about my concerns, but he says I'm overreacting. What should I do? Okay, what should I do? This is a great litmus test. If you guys can work this through and communicate about it now, it means your communication skills for your marriage are going to be in great shape. So the most important thing is rather than going at this as I'm appalled, how could they do this to me, which is putting yourself a bit in that victim position, I encourage you to go to your beloved and say, I'm uncomfortable because within the sanctity of our relationship, soon to be marriage, I would like there to be a sexual agreement between us. And you guys know what sexual agreement you're going to make. And you lay that out and say it doesn't include sex acts with strippers. May I have your word that you'll honor the agreement we're making? Because it's about the two of you. It's not about his friends. It's not about what they put together. It's not about what they think and any of that. It's about the two of you. So there you go. So let me tell you just a little bit more about our guest. You're about to meet Melissa McGee Proctor, the Executive Vice President, Chief Marketing Officer of the Atlanta Hawks and the State Farm Arena. And in this role, she oversees the day-to-day operations of the club's marketing, Hawks Studio, live experience and production, brand merchandising, creative services, corporate social responsibility, brand communication, and basketball development teams. She's been recognized with leaders and Aspire Academy's Leaders Under 40 Award, earned a mention in Atlanta's magazine in 2018, list of women making a mark, and recently was selected as part of Sports Business Journal Daily's 2020 Class of 40 Under 40. She's a published author. As I said to you earlier, her first book came out this year during COVID called From Ball Girl to CMO. Welcome to Modern Love, Melissa Proctor. Wow. Well, thank you so much. This is awesome. And I'm about to sign up for that event, right? Because that just sounds like a phenomenal session that I need to attend. But thank you for having me. Oh, bless your heart. Well, you're not alone. COVID has been hard on all of us one way or the other. And I want people to get to know you because you're one of those people that holds up a torch and says, I was able to move down this path and maybe you can bushwhack your way to your own higher calling. So what attracted you to sports all of your life? Because that was amazing when I was reading your bio, and it said you always wanted to be an NBA coach. Well, you know, it's so interesting. So I'm originally from Miami, Florida, and my mother is from Belize, or was from Belize, and my father's from Jamaica. And so growing up, they were not American. There was no American sports. I think my father was a fan of wrestling. He would watch, like, the Ladies of Glow and WCW, and that was kind of the extent of sports in my household. So I didn't really grow up with it. But um, when I was in kindergarten, I remember uh, my mom had taken me for some assessment, and I was drawing all over the chalkboard. And the woman doing the assessment really encouraged her. She said, you know, Melissa has very strong talents and art, you should really cultivate that. So most of my career and my life as a, as a child was focused on the arts. So I was in oh. art classes in elementary school. I went to middle school for a visual arts in Miami. Magnet school is what they called it there, um, where I focused on just fine arts, drawing and painting. So 
for high school, I went to design and architecture senior high, which was a relatively new school at the time, Dash, where I focused mm-hmm. on graphic design and was taking college level courses in like ninth and tenth That's grade to build a portfolio. Which oh is completely God. different. So because of that, like my middle school had athletics, but all of my time was devoted to the arts. And then my high school didn't even have athletics. And so when I was around 15, I had a cousin who was a big basketball fan, and I would go to her house and hang out, and she would watch Miami Heat games. And so I didn't follow the game, so she kind of taught it to me, and we would watch games together, and I became a big fan of the Heat. And so um, around the same age, I remember – I remember talking to my mother because I really wanted to get a job. So at 15, everyone started mm-hmm. to make some money and get their first job. And so, I, you know, I said, I really want to go work. And she told me, she said, you can only get a job in whatever you want to do for the rest of your life. And at oh, 15, wow. I had – Your mother set the right. bar high. She really – well, high in whatever way I wanted it to go because she didn't tell me what right. I wanted. Like, she, I could do what it, I could do anything. And so I remember meeting artists through my art programs who were struggling. And I knew that I didn't want to be a struggling artist. And I developed this passion <laughs> for basketball. I, I developed this passion for basketball. And I told her when I would ever watch the games, there were never any women on the sidelines. And this was before they had referees that were women or any assistant coaches or anything. And so I told her I wanted to be the first female coach in the NBA. And God bless my mom. She said, okay, well, go get a job in the NBA. And that was it. And so because of that, I wrote letters and made phone calls. This was, you know, yellow pages. My fingers did the walking, and (laughs) I called all types of people. And I I would write letters to the heat, and I would draw on the envelopes and the letters because I wanted it to stand out. So I would draw players and logos and basketballs and everything. Um, And Uh one day I got in touch with someone in community relations, and they said, oh, well, we don't have any jobs for kids here. Try the equipment manager. He does. He manages the ball boys. And so I, I found that they gave me the number. I called this equipment manager, wrote him letters as well. Um, finally got him on the phone one day, and he was pretty much like, yeah, I don't know what you would do. Like, we only have boys. I, I don't have anything here. And so I was persistent. I kept calling, kept writing. And then one day we spoke again, and he said, you know, he tried to discourage me. He's like, this is grunge work. Uh, and that doesn't pay, you fold towels, mop up sweat, you know, you come early, you stay late. And then I said, it sounds great. <laughs> Sign me up. And so oh, I think Melissa, kinda... everybody, you should be, let me say this, everybody, you should be writing down these steps because Melissa is dropping breadcrumbs. Listen to the persistent determination. Listen to the, I don't want to be a starving artist. There's got to be a way to ignite my passion. Oh, my goodness, Melissa, keep going. What you're giving is so valuable and important. I just want people to really take notes, everybody. Yeah, and, you know, what's more interesting about it is, yeah, and and I'm talking to him, and he's telling me, like, hey, you know what, kid? And one day he said, you know what, you have a lot of heart. Come in for one of our preseason games. So this is before the regular season starts or a handful of preseason games. And I had never been to the arena for a professional sporting event before. So I'm walking in, and it's like watching television in real life. And the lights are bright, and the players are huge. And, you know, and I don't play basketball. And so they give me an outfit. I think I got some sneakers and, like, a jacket. I was so – it was awesome. And then they, gave, they told me to go out on the court and rebound. And I had no idea what I was doing because wow. I had never played basketball. All of these assumptions oh, of, like, yes, God. go – 
go help with the layup line. Like, I did not know. And so there were some other ball boys who graciously kind of took me under their wing and showed me what to do. And I learned quickly. But that first day was such a, a eye-opening experience. And I, I realized that there was definitely a difference. They were all ball boys. That was the term. Uh, so when I started, after a while, they started calling us team attendants because it was politically incorrect to all be ball boys. Right. If I'm a girl. Right. And, and you know, and the players started teaching me how to pass. And some of the assistant coaches before the games, I would help them run drills. And I couldn't go in the locker room because back then women were not allowed in the locker room. So I was one of the only team attendants that could only work on the court. And it was such a blessing. So I ended up learning more about basketball and, like, working with the players. They ended up calling me queen because Queen Latifah was, like, my idol at the time and living single. And they're like, you remind me of Queen Latifah. And so I was queen on the court. And it was phenomenal. And one of our owners, the owner of, of the Heat, they had a son who was also a ball boy and a daughter who would sit on the sidelines every game with her parents. And so when I started as a ball girl, she saw me. I said, oh, I, can, I want to do that, too. And so she ended up coming and working with me, and together we were the first ball girls on the court for the Miami Heat. Oh, my God. What a story. What a story. That is a great story. And you inspired this other girl to want to do it. And now how many mm-hmm. ball girls have we got out there now? In the oh, NBA? man, there are probably tons. You know, what's interesting is after after many years, after – uh, working for the Heat and going to college, I went to Wake Forest for undergrad. I ended up moving to Atlanta and got an internship at, at Turner Broadcasting out of college. But I didn't make much money as an intern, so I called up my old boss from the Heat to see if he knew anyone with the Hawks. And my first year living in Atlanta, I was a ball girl on the court for the Hawks. And much to my surprise, the ball, like when, when you worked on the court for the Hawks, all the people who worked directly on the court were all women. So they had a whole team of women. That was just their norm. And obviously there were some guys oh. who worked in the locker room and on the benches. But in the role that I was in, they were, we were four women. And I was like, this is amazing. So I think now it's much more common. Um, but that's yeah. one, but that you one were team the in particular. Melissa, in Miami. Always in Miami. Able to say you were the first <laughs> in Miami. And that is a big mm-hmm. deal. You open doors and you're inspiring people to live their dreams, whatever they are, because that's a pretty unusual dream for a young girl. Now, how did you go from being the person who was team attendant, now I'll use the correct language, to (laughs) climbing that ladder to where you are now? Because how many women can say that they are executives at your level, C-suite, in the NBA? How did you get there? Well, You know, what's so interesting is after I, you know, started working um, with the Heat, every summer I would... Hold on, let me say this. Don't give away all the (laughs) secrets, guys, because I want you to go get the book. Go get the book. Absolutely. From Baldwin. I want everybody to have that book on their shelf. Go ahead, Melissa. Well, the book, yeah, the book tells a, a, a much more detailed story. But, you know, for me, I was always still trying to figure out how I can get a job in the NBA and really wanted that. And so my senior year of college, I applied for an internship at the NBA headquarters because my my mindset shifted. I said, I've never played basketball. It's hard to coach a game if you've never even played it. And so my focus was more, I just want to work around the game of basketball. And so I had gotten, you know, letters of recommendation from all these coaches and players. And I did this amazing interview with the league headquarters and they called me back. And they said, you know what, Melissa, we love you. You come highly recommended. However, 
we are a business and, and you are too creative for us. So this is not a good fit. Oh. And I was devastated. And I was like, well, of course, just what it is. And then anybody in college who doesn't know what they want to do, I said, well, let me just stay in college. And so I applied to stay at Wake Forest in their graduate program for communications. And I knew the head of the department. I did the interview. And they said, Melissa, we love you. And we love you so much, we're not going to let you in because you're using this as a crutch, and we think you're destined for bigger and better things. So we're not going to give you this crutch to fall back on. And wow. at the time, I was so hurt, but it was probably one of the biggest blessings of my life. And leaving that interview, an, an assistant in the communications department told me about an internship program in Atlanta called T3, and it was a Turner Trainee Team. And it was literally an internship program that said, send us your talent in a project. And you don't know what the job is. You don't know where you're going to work. And I created a, a TV guide. And actually, at the back of my book, I include the entire magazine that I created. Because oh, they, TNT, <laughs> TNT said you sold yourself so well to us with your TV guide that we think you would do an amazing job of selling our content to consumers. And I had never taken a marketing class, but I marketed myself to this company mm. so well they thought I could market their products. And that's how I got started working in, at Turner or in entertainment. And so for about 11 so years, what you're saying, I, I want people to take this in, if you don't mind me just marking. I'm taking a highlighter absolutely. mentally, guys, and I want you all to highlight. One door closes, another door is already open. You get to have your time of feeling despair and disappointment if a door closes, but use what Melissa just said. There's got to be something else. There has to be a way. And you just, with and again, persistent determination, Melissa, looking for the door that was open. And there's something else that you did. I want people to mark it. You were completely, 100%, not only determined, but you were creative. I have to find yes. a way to stand out. I have to find a way 100%. to do something that's different. Find a way to do something no one else possibly has done so that I'm the standout. And that is a way, even in a, a vast pool of people, I can imagine how many were applying for these internships at Turner to stand out in that vast pool. Okay, keep 100%. it going. I love your story. What a story. Wow. No, it was, it was so much around, you know, being creative. And I had a, a great mentor that said, you know, find something to be famous for. And that was it. I was famous for that magazine, but it was also incredibly authentic. So no one else could have created what I put together. And they were able to learn so much about me and my personality and my culture and my execution. And even now as a CMO of an NBA team, I realized how few people actually would say they want to work in marketing know how to market themselves. And so that yeah, was a really, there, a really there. big thing. Oh, it yeah. absolutely does. Well, how many how many women of color are there in similar positions in the NBA? Were you the first to take this this kind of position? No, I, no, I wasn't the first, but you know, it's definitely incredibly male, you know, across teams in the league headquarters. But I will say, I've been with the Hawks about I can only um, almost <laughs> about six years now, and there's been tremendous growth and change. And I'll say in the NBA specifically, across other teams for sure, but just I've seen in going to you know league meetings. The NBA is dedicated to really ensuring that there is diversity in the higher ranks, not just for the teams, but also at the league. And so there's been a lot. There's been a lot of change, and I'm really encouraged by it. 
Um, you know, mm-hmm. but for me, I was at Turner for about 11 years. I left for a year, went to graduate school in London, went back to Turner and a number of different jobs. And you asked how I got to this role. I took on every job that no one else wanted. I would raise my hand to take on projects. I never looked at my career as a ladder because many times people think, mm-hmm. Jesus, I want to go to the top. I was always been open to wherever God or the universe drives me. And so because mm-hmm. I didn't have a predestined or preordained saying, I'm going to be a CMO one day, I was open. And because of being open, I had so many amazing experiences that built on each other in ways that I could have never imagined. So much so that at the end of my, my career at Turner, after being there 11 years, I was the head of marketing and content for a digital health and wellness startup that Turner was trying to launch. And one CEO left the company, a new CEO came in, and the last business started was the first one cut. And so myself and my entire team uh, got laid off, you know. And at the time, I was eight months pregnant with my daughter. So talk about, you know, being open to what the universe had. And, you know, I was kind of the intern turned vice president, so for – you know, HR, they're like, you're a poster child. You can't leave. And I said, I got to focus on having my daughter. I'll, you know, figure this out later. Um, right, but everything right. truly happens for a reason. There are some priorities one can't avoid, like giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, the irony in all of it was, you know, I, I left the company. I had my daughter maybe two months after she was born. I went to the arena here in Atlanta as a fan. And, and while there, I ran into one of my old mentors from Turner, who had left Turner to become CEO of the Hawks. And so ah. while speaking with him, he knew I loved brand strategy. During my first year in Atlanta when I was a ball girl, he would sit courtside and see me mopping up sweat on the court. So he'd known me for years. <laughs> and, um, you know, he said, hey, Melissa, I might need help building this brand. You know, would you be interested in sitting in on some meetings? And I said, oh, sure. You know, not a problem. And just volunteered my I'll time. Bring my I, eight-week-old daughter with me. <laughs> Thankfully, my my mother-in-law at the time was home, so that was that was that was okay. But honestly, it was that chance meeting and relationship building over time that truly led to my job now. And so maybe a couple of months later, he said, well, "Why don't you start? Would you consult with us and help us?" I said, "Sure." And then that consulting ended up becoming my full-time job at the time, which was brand strategy for the Hawks. But I later learned that when that leader had left Turner as a company, he couldn't poach any talent or take any talent with him. So had I not gotten laid off from that previous oh. job, I probably couldn't be here today, you know, with the Hawks. And so, oh, that you know, I, I'm goosebumps. that gave me goosebumps because there you see the path unfolding. If you hadn't yeah. been laid off. Now, guys, yeah. for most of us, being laid off is a devastating experience, but Again, one door closes, another door opens, your persistent determination, and never letting go, because it sounds like you never let go of this intention to do something with the NBA because you kept showing up at NBA events. Yeah, I mean, even if it was starting out wiping sweat off the floor. (laughs) Exactly. And I think, you know, to to that point, what makes that even better, sweeter for me was I, I... did it as a fan. So just being willing to go in and help. And I always say by doing the work, because so many people just expect the big stuff to show up. And it was always consistently being willing to do the work that was important. And so, you know, now and over time, you know, the six years I've been there, my role has shifted and I've had more responsibility, more teams. 
um, I often get the question, you know, like, oh, what are you going to do next? And you're going to be CEO. And, and I don't, the same way I came in, it's like I have no desires to necessarily be CEO, but I can never say never. And so I really mm. looked at kind of redefining what success means to me now that I'm at this stage of my career. And probably for the past probably 10 years or so, um, I had a mentor that really impressed upon me the power of guiding principles and defining these guiding principles for your life and your values and your non-negotiables. And so and what, one piece what of my book. And what is your guiding principle? What is your most important yeah. guiding principle? Give us one. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, I would say there are five that I have. I call them my starting five. So they all work together. But one of them that I'll say is incredibly important to me is being authentic and being able to show up as mm-hmm. myself in any environment that I'm in. So I have locks, a nose ring. I'm an African-American woman. I'm super proud of my Caribbean culture and heritage. And I bring all of that with me everywhere I go. And so if I ever had a role or opportunity where they said, hey, you're great, you just need to cut your hair, I know that's not the role for me because that's an unreasonable. Right. So, you know, I have, I have five, and I, I lay them out within my book. But I think for me, by redefining success, by being able to know that these guiding principles are being met, makes me open to whatever path is laid out for me as opposed to being focused on only doing one thing because I can do many things, and that's empowering. Mm, I love it. I love it. Well, guys, you get to read from Ball Girl to CMO by our super dynamic, exciting, and brilliant guest, Melissa Proctor. And it's a story of having a dream and not knowing how or when the dream could be fulfilled, but having the dream and just being willing to show up do whatever was needed at the moment, and to keep moving forward, even when doors were slammed in her face, she kept moving, and so can you. Now, we're all dealing with COVID. A lot of us are feeling, God, there have been doors slammed in my face. What am I going to do? Well, the answer lies in that starting five that Melissa just went through, and I encourage you all, grab the book. And I've got a copy, I'm very happy to say, and I am very delighted with what I've learned. And Melissa, if you were to leave us with your last words of encouragement, of wisdom, the words that have maybe been the words you've lived by on your journey, what would you leave us with? I would leave you with the thing my mom taught me from early in her Belizean dialect. She'd say, nothing beats a child but a failure. And I'm sure that's backwards in, in terms of what it's supposed to be, but the bottom line is always try, always be willing to ask the question, always be willing to attempt, because I think sometimes fear holds us back. But that willingness to always at least ask or at least try um, has gotten me so far, and I'm so grateful, you know, to be able to be here and share that with you today. Thank you. That's wonderful. And, guys, hang on for a sec, because guess what? What if you put that into action in your love life. Always be willing to go the distance. You don't have to know all the answers, but I will tell you this, one little fact, that there are 50% fewer divorces for people that do premarital training. Now, what does that tell you? Our motto here is learn better, love better. So most of us don't get those classes in school on how to love, how to choose a mate, how to be a great partner, how to communicate, how to work through difficulties. And just like the person who wrote in the question about the fiancé and the stripper, 
there's a learning curve when it comes to love. So get thee to Eventbrite. Grab your free ticket. This is complimentary for our training that's coming up. And again, that's going to be new life after lockdown. Spring into love and prosperity. Because guess what? Love and prosperity are linked. They are linked. And we're going to go through a very deep dive into how they're linked and how you can operate that linkage to rise in both love and prosperity. Very, very important. And there's so much I'm going to have a chance to teach you. We're going to be following up on that training with a three-hour training on the following Saturday. And I have a special guest, my good friend, Darren Jacklin, who's known as the Mega Manifester, will be joining us and talking about manifestation practices also to manifest more love, more prosperity, and his journey is one you just won't believe. So, Melissa Proctor is our guest today. Thank you so very much, Melissa, again, for being our guest and for bringing all the inspiration and the can-do spirit that you've brought to your career. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And if anyone's interested in learning more about me or the book, feel free to follow me on Instagram at Melissa M. Proctor. And also we have uh, www.melissaproctor.com. Is that good? Yep, MelissaMProctor.com. Yes. Melissa M. Proctor. There it is. There's an M in the middle. My bad. Thank you. And big (laughs) thank you also to Cliff Dunning, our executive producer, and all you modern lovers. Get out there and learn better so you can love better. Blessings for now. Bye. (laughs) 